0: Here now, a reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter six, beginning with verse 10. Uh, You can follow along in your own Bible, in the Pew Bible, on your electronic device, or on the screen. We're gonna give you God's word every way possible this morning. (laughs) We'd like you to to read along and carefully pay attention to the words of the text. Open your heart and mind to the Holy Spirit and note any word, phrase, or image that speaks to your heart on the Lexio Divina handout that you received when entering the sanctuary. I'm gonna be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. So hear the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I pray, or pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, prior to COVID, I often went to retirement homes and independent living facilities to visit some of our, uh, our senior members. And it was common to see residents hanging out in common areas, kind of playing uh, bingo, visiting family, reading large print books. And and occasionally I would see groups of people doing uh, some light exercise. But what, ha- what would have been very surprising to me would have been to see these folks doing karate, taekwondo, or kung fu classes. <laughs> but something like this is happening in seniors' facilities across the country. A couple of times a week, common spaces are transformed into dojos where martial arts instructors teach participants a unique kind of self-defense. And instead of learning karate chops and kicks and blocks, uh, they learn how to use a cane as a weapon to fight off would-be attackers. And they say that it's amazing how effective a cane can be as a weapon when you know how to use it. So one instructor named Buck Buckmaster, that's his real name, uh, started teaching these classes to seniors after his own 69-year-old mother was assaulted. He calls it extreme cane defense, while others call it cane foo. <laughs> so in, adir- in addition to learning how they can use a cane as a weapon, seniors learn to be aware of their surroundings and how to avoid putting themselves in vulnerable scenarios. After some training, while Grandma might, might seem like a, a soft-spoken, easy target, in fact, she is carrying a big stick and she knows how to use it. And just as seniors can benefit from these unique martial arts classes, Paul says that Christians need to learn a unique kind of self-defense too. A kind of spiritual self-defense. Now, most scholars believe that our scripture reading this morning was part of a much longer letter that was circulated uh, around different churches in a broad geographical area. Like a good karate sensei, Paul instructs these churches to avoid the dark corners of the pagan world and to live as children of light. But he also knows that despite their best efforts to uh, to avoid danger, sometimes danger is going to come looking for them. So they need to be prepared to defend themselves against the assaults of evil which come in the form of temptations, doubts, fears, hopelessness, and various kinds of suffering, including persecution. And as we will see, his main message to put on the full armor of God is a helpful extended metaphor so that we can remember what God is calling us to do. Most of Paul's audience would have been familiar with the sight of Roman soldiers walking around in full armor. So he uses it as an illustration to remind Christians that God provides spiritual and moral protection to those who are willing to use it. While this language may seem odd to many people today, Paul says that the real threat to us is spiritual forces of evil that lurk in the shadows of this present darkness. In our postmodern world, we are sometimes uncomfortable talking about spiritual forces of evil. Some tend to think that this is outdated, primitive language that is no longer needed because of the explanatory power of the modern sciences. And others are uncomfortable talking about this because they don't really understand what the spiritual forces of evil are and exactly how they work in the world. And if I'm being honest, I have to say that I, too, have struggled with this language of spiritual warfare. It's something that I wrestle with throughout seminary and graduate work, and it's, it's, it's language that I've struggled to kind of make sense of in my readings even after that. And the reason why I've personally struggled with it is because... Sometimes in Christian circles, I believe it's taken too literally and can lead to a distorted view of reality that pits religion against science, and I don't think that it needs to be that way. Also, I do not think that we can dismiss this language simply because we don't fully understand it or because we want to make faith more palpable to people who want to reduce all reality to the material world. Because I believe that that too would be a distortion of reality and would distort some, or or eclipse some really important things about the struggles that we have. In my experience, there is ample evidence to suggest that there are evil forces at work in the world that are bigger than me, and they're bigger than you, and they're bigger than any group of individuals. So despite some of the difficulties that we may have with this language as we try to understand them after the enlightenment in a modern world, we just cannot get around the need to talk about the principalities and powers of this world. They can and they do harm us. And if we are going to defend ourselves against them, then we have to start by acknowledging that they exist, even if we don't fully understand them. So the first thing that God reveals in our scripture reading this morning is that there are evil, albeit mysterious powers at work in this world. And while this might be scary, the good news of the gospel this morning is that God does not leave us helpless or without a defense. And this is where the metaphor of the armor of God comes in to help us. Again, Paul explains what God makes available to us for our spiritual and moral protection by pointing to Roman battle gear. All of which, if you pay attention to the passage, is composed of defensive weapons except for the sword. For example, we are instructed to put on the belt of truth. Referring to the truth of the Gospel That enables us to fight against the lies that bombard us every day, including the lies that we tell ourselves. You cannot fight spiritual battles without the truth. And I think we've lost sight of that today. You cannot fight spiritual battles without the truth. And when we are immersed in the truth and we are committed to rigorous honesty in every aspect of our lives, it leaves no room for evil to attack. We've got to put on the belt of truth. We also need the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts. It says in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything that you do comes from it, flows from it. Going back to our cane foo example, one of the ways that criminals try to lure elderly victims is by playing on their emotions, leveraging their generosity and their compassion and their desire to be nice. And this is also a tactic of the forces of evil in the world today. They prey on our fears of disappointing people, our fear of criticism, our fear of rejection, our fear of hurting someone's feelings or not being liked. And if we are not careful to guard our hearts, we can get ensnared in darkness. According to Paul, righteousness is our best defense, not self-righteousness, as in being holier than thou, but righteousness understood as a life grounded in a strong and clear sense of right and wrong that empowers us to live right before God, a righteousness that is lived out in the real world through principled acts of love and justice. It's refusing to get swept away in the cultural currents that will take us away from God. Having the right footwear is also key to self-defense. You know, living in Cocoa Beach where everyone wears flip-flops, this might be met with some resistance, but common sense tells us that it's better to wear leather boots instead of reef sandals when we're confronting an attacker. When under attack, you must be able to stand your ground firmly and change direction as needed. Drawing on this illustration, Paul urges Christians to put on their feet whatever will help them go to where they need to go and proclaim the gospel of peace. I always say Christianity is not a spectator sport. You've got to get up and follow Jesus. You've got to put one foot in front of the other. And we need the right shoes to go where we need to go to share the good news of the gospel of peace. As coaches often tell us, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And Paul urges the church to be proactive in sharing the good news of the gospel instead of, instead of simply reacting to whatever the world throws at us. And I feel like that's a problem today, don't you? I mean, we're bombarded by so many things from so many different directions. And each of those problems in themselves seems overwhelming. And it feels like we're, that, that the world, you know, the forces of evil in the world have got us backed up on our heels. And all we're doing is compulsively reacting to what's happening. And that's a sign that we're in trouble. We have to be proactive proactive instead of reactive in the way that we live our lives and share our story. And it's important to note that the good news that we explain that we're supposed to be proactive about explaining and proclaiming is a gospel of peace. Right? We're not we're not peace keepers, which is to be people pleasing and just ignore things that are going wrong so that it doesn't stir things up. We're not supposed to be peacekeepers. We're supposed to be peacemakers, which means going into the world where there is no peace and engaging in principled acts of love and justice in order to create a real peace, a godly peace, a peace that is reflective of the reign of Jesus Christ. And so we declare a gospel of peace because Jesus is allowed us to be at peace with God through death on a cross. And in the same way, we are supposed to be instruments of peace in this world in self-sacrificial love. So we have to put the right shoes on. (laughs) The shoes of peace. In addition, as kids, we learn one of the most important principles in self-defense, and that is to travel with a buddy. You guys ever had to be a part of the buddy system? I know Mimi has because she worked here at the preschool and the kids don't go anywhere by themselves. We gotta have the buddy system. Why? Because there are strength in numbers and criminals are less likely to approach two people than one person alone. And, and I've, I've, I've stressed this to Emma. Uh, Emma used to, and I'm sorry to ratchet out, babe, but Emma would get up in the middle of the night and go to the beach by herself to watch rocket launches. And I'm like, are you crazy? You're, 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 you're an easy target. And then I bought her a mace and I bought her one of those little buttons you push and it has a loud alarm. And every time she leaves the house by herself, I'm like, do you got your tools, babe? You gotta keep yourself safe. You need to go with somebody else. You can't go by yourself. And in talking about the shield of faith, Paul describes a similar tactic. And this is really important because we might think that the image that might come to mind is that as a solitary person, we pick up the shield and hold it like this by ourselves. But Roman shields were best employed when the soldiers came together in group formation. And these shields were often covered with leather and they were soaked in water before battle so that they could extinguish the flaming arrows that were fired by the enemy because that was a tactic they would they would get a bow and arrow they'd light the arrow on fire and they'd shoot it and so soldiers would all come together with these water-soaked shields to form one big canopy of protection and in a similar way if we are going to keep the faith we must come together for mutual support For instruction and for accountability. This is one of the main reasons that we need a church family. And I talk to a lot of people who say, I love Jesus, I just don't like to go to church. And I can say, Hey, I understand that. Sometimes people in the church, I mean, we can be jerks, right? We can be hypocrites. There's a lot of lot of things. We the church has hurt a lot of people. I get it. But here's the thing: here's the bind that you're in. You can't do it alone. You can't follow Jesus by yourself. I mean, you can, but it's only going to take you so far. We need each other to heal our brokenness, to see our blind spots, so we can properly confess our sins. We need the strength of one another to help us walk through this life, which is filled with ups and downs. And we need people to cover us with prayer and support when we feel like we're overwhelmed. There is strength in numbers as we worship and work together. And that's why I'm so glad that you're here this morning and that those of you who are watching online that you're with us this morning because we're all together either in person or virtually and there's strength in those numbers when we worship and work together. When we watch out for one another and cover our friends in prayer and support when they're under attack. Now, if you've ever studied various kinds of self-defense, you'll know how important it is to have the right mindset. know and and Mike Tyson knew this there's the famous line that Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face (laughs) and then it's just your mindset and your instincts right you got to have the right mindset in fact many martial arts instructors work on mindset more than kicks punches or even cane pokes (laughs) hence Paul tells us to put on the, the helmet of salvation to protect our minds Primarily with the knowledge that we have been saved by Jesus from sin and death. And this means that when we find ourselves under attack, we don't have to go back to our old life and use our old self-destructive tactics. One of the, uh, one of my favorite contemporary worship songs is called New Wine. And I was listening to it on the way. And it, it says i lay laid down my old flames to carry your new fire. Have we laid down our old flames to carry God's new fire? We don't have to go back, friends. Paul says that if we have given our life to Jesus and we are walking the path of discipleship, that... We have been transformed by the renewing of our minds. God gives us, through the spiritual disciplines, as we pray and worship and serve and and engage in the spiritual disciplines, God literally transforms our mind, giving us the mind of Christ. And the goal is when Paul says it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. So that this body is wholly owned and possessed and operated by Jesus. That's the goal. And because we have been transformed through the renewing of our minds, We can stand firm in our new life and we can proceed in ways that honor God and help us to accomplish our goal of becoming more like Jesus so that we may be joyful and content. And as we put on all this armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, We are also told to wield a sword, which Paul says is the word of God. In the story, when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, it is clear in that story that Jesus spent a lifetime learning scripture. So that when Satan tried to use scripture out of context to lure him into sin, Jesus could push him back with the gospel of truth, which he had internalized. Likewise, the more that we study and meditate upon scripture, the more that we take the words of life into our hearts and rely on them in our daily lives, the more ready we will be to defeat the lies of the enemy with the word of God. And again, I'm not just talking about the lies that are coming from without. We are bombarded by lies coming from other people. But I'm also talking about the lies that we tell ourselves. And I think that if you're honest, you know what I'm talking about. And then Paul says, now that we know about the protection that God offers to us, we need one more thing one more thing to effectively defend ourselves from the principalities and powers of this world something that is essential perhaps perhaps the most important thing the thing that is required for us to be able to use this armor at all we must stay alert and pray without ceasing stay alert If you're not alert, you're going to put your armor in the closet. And you're not going to pay attention to it until you get ambushed. Stay alert. Pray without ceasing. Friends, it is not a matter of if but when you're going to be attacked. And in my experience, the problems usually come in threes. (laughs) You need to expect it. You need to watch for it. You need to be ready for it so that you are not ambushed or taken by surprise. You are never vulnerable from attack. Did you hear me, church? This is the number one way that you will be caught off guard and you will be knocked to your knees. When you come to believe that you are invulnerable, that you have arrived in your life, that you have all the faith and all the morality and all the guidance and all the wisdom that you need, and that you can rest on your laurels and that you can put it on autopilot and you can click back, right? I've got a friend that's a pilot and he says that the autopilot systems and those planes are so good that they can put it on autopilot. Once they get up and going, he can watch Netflix. And I almost lost my mind and said, I'm never gonna fly again. (laughs) Autopilot, just cruising through life. The minute you think you're okay is precisely the point at which you're going to be hit from behind. You're never invulnerable to attack, and you must stay alert. And the best way to stay alert, says Paul, is to pray without ceasing. Not pray when you wake up, pray over three meals and a couple of snacks, and pray when you go to bed. Pray without ceasing. In other words, to stay in constant communication with God. To stay close to God throughout the day, every day. This will keep our souls awake and ready to deal with the spiritual and moral dangers that come our way. So there you have it. God has given everything that we need for spiritual self-defense. And I want in closing to note that all the weapons that God gives are actually virtues that must be developed through disciplined practice. Are you with me? I want to say that again, lest you think it's a magic trick. (laughs) All of the weapons that are given in this passage are actually virtues That must be developed and nurtured and strengthened through discipline practice. And it's interesting that not only does Paul say this and not only does Jesus say this, not only is it divinely revealed, but even Aristotle knew this and wrote a whole book on it called the Nicomachean Ethics. You have to cultivate virtue through practice. We are challenged to live in the truth and to tell the truth. We are called to right living, which is grounded in a strong sense of right and wrong. We're called to proclaim and work for peace through acts of love and justice. We're called to live in gratitude for our salvation in Jesus and to allow that truth and that gratitude to shape our thoughts, feelings, desires, and actions to change us from the inside out. We are challenged to regularly meditate on Scripture and to apply it in every area of our life. And we are challenged to pray without ceasing. They are actions. In other words, God gives you the armor, but you must take it up. You must put it on. And you must use it in order for it to work. Are you doing this? If not, what's going to happen when you find yourself under attack? Will you be ready? Maybe you are already under attack right now. And you are feeling overwhelmed. I wonder how the fate of that battle might change if you put on the full armor of God. These are questions that I hope all of us will ponder and act on throughout the week as we try to stay close to Jesus and fight the good fight. Hey everyone, this is Pastor Mark and I want to thank you for listening today. I also want to thank First United Methodist Church of Cocoa Beach, the faith community I am honored to serve and that helps make this ministry possible. If you are being blessed by these messages, I invite you to support the mission of Jesus through the efforts of our church by making a donation. Simply go to our website, www.fumccb.com, and click on the link that says Give. I also hope that you will explore other parts of our website and connect to other ministries like online worship and Bible studies. If you feel more comfortable, you can also mail a donation to the church office at 3300 North Atlantic Avenue, Cocoa Beach, Florida 32931. We sincerely appreciate your support as we try to help people who are struggling and need to hear good news. Again, thanks for tuning in today and may God bless you.